This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tremendous Trifles by G. K. Chesterton. Chapter 38 The Ballad of a Strange Town. My friend and I, in fooling about Flanders, fell into a fixed affection for the town of Mechlin or Melines. Our rest there was so restful that we almost felt it as a home, and hardly straight out of it. We sat day after day in the marketplace under the little green trees growing in wood tubs, and looked up at the noble converging lines of the cathedral tower, from which the three riders from Ghent, in the poem, heard the bell which told them they were not too late. But we took as much pleasure in the people, in the little boys with open, flat, Flemish faces and fur collars round their necks, making them look like burgomasters, or the women whose prim oval faces, hair strained tightly off the temples, and mouths at once hard, meek, and humorous, exactly reproduced the late medieval faces in Memling and Van Eyck. But one afternoon, as it happened, my friend rose from under his little tree and pointing to a sort of toy train that was puffing smoke in one corner of the clear square, suggested that we should go by it. We got into the little train, which was meant really to take the peasants and their vegetables to and fro from the fields beyond the town, and the official came round to give us tickets. We asked him what place we should get to if we paid five pence. The Belgians are not a romantic people and he asked us, with a lamentable mixture of Flemish coarseness and French rationalism, where we wanted to go. We explained that we wanted to go to Fairyland, and the only question was whether we could get there for five pence. At last, after a great deal of international misunderstanding, for he spoke French in the Flemish and we in the English manner, he told us that five pence would take us to a place which I have never seen written down, but which, when spoken, sounded like the word Waterloo, pronounced by an intoxicated patriot. I think it was Waterloo. As we clasped our hands and said it was the place we had been seeking from boyhood, and when we had got there we descended with promptitude. For a moment I had a horrible fear that it really was the field of Waterloo but I was comforted by remembering that it was in quite a different part of Belgium. It was a crossroads with one cottage at the corner, a perspective of tall trees like Obama's Avenue, and beyond only the infinite flat chessboard of the little fields. It was the scene of peace and prosperity, but I must confess that my friend's first action was to ask the man when there would be another train back to Mechlin, the man stated there would be a train back in exactly one hour. We walked up the avenue, and when we were nearly half an hour's walk away, it began to rain. We arrived back at the crossroads, sodden and dripping, and finding the train waiting, climbed onto it with some relief. The officer on this train could speak nothing but Flemish, but he understood the name Mechelen, and indicated that when we came to Mechelen Station, he would put us down, which, after the right interval of time, he did. We got down under a steady downpour, evidently on the edge of Mechlin, 
though the features could not easily be recognized through the grey screen of the rain. I do not generally agree with those who find rain depressing. A shower bath is not depressing, it is rather startling. And if it is exciting, when a man throws a pail of water over you, why should it not also be exciting when the gods throw many pails? But on this soaking afternoon, whether it was the dull skyline of the Netherlands, or the fact that we were returning home without any adventure, I really did think things a trifle dreary. Under the shelter of a street we turned into a little café kept by one woman. She was incredibly old, and she spoke no French. There we drank black coffee and what was called cognac fine. Cognac fine were the only two French words used in the establishment, and they were not true. At least the fineness, perhaps by its very ethereal delicacy, escaped me. After a little my friend, who was more restless than I, got up and went out to see if the rain had stopped, and if we could at once stroll back to our hotel by the station. I sat finishing my coffee in a colorless mood and listening to the unremitting rain. Suddenly the door burst open, and my friend appeared, transfigured and frantic. "'Get up!' he cried, waving his hands wildly. "'Get up! We're in the wrong town. We're not in Mechlin at all. Mechlin is ten miles, twenty miles off. God knows what. We're somewhere near Antwerp.' "'What?' I cried, leaping from my seat and sending the furniture flying. "'Then it's all well after all.' Poetry only hid her face for an instant behind a cloud. Positively for a moment I was feeling depressed, because we were in the right town. But if we are in the wrong town, why, we have our adventure after all. If we are in the wrong town, we are in the right place. I rushed out into the rain, and my friend followed me somewhat more grimly. We discovered that we were in a town called Lierre, which seemed to consist chiefly of bankrupt pastry cooks who sold lemonade. This is the peak of our whole poetic progress, I cried enthusiastically. We must do something, something sacramental and commemorative. We cannot sacrifice an ox, and it would be a bore to build a temple. Let us write a poem. With but slight encouragement, I took out an old envelope and one of those pencils that turned bright violet in water. There was plenty of water about, and the violet ran down the page, symbolizing the rich purple of that romantic hour. I began choosing the form of an old French ballad. It is the easiest because it is the most restricted. Can man to Mount Olympus rise and fancy Primrose Hill the scene? Can man walk in paradise and think he's in Turnham Green? And could I take you for Melines, not knowing the nobler thing you were, O pearl of all the plain, and queen, the lovely city of Lear? Though memory's mist in glimmering guise Shall shine your streets of sloppy sheen, And wet shall grow my dreaming eyes To think how wet my boots have been. Now if I die or shoot a dean... Here I broke off to ask my friend Whether he thought it expressed a more wild calamity To shoot a dean or to be a dean. But he only turned up his coat-collar, And I felt for him the muse had folded her wings. I rewrote. Now if I die a rural dean, or rob a bank, I do not care, or turn a Tory, I have seen the lovely city of Lierre. The next line I resumed, warming to it, but my friend interrupted me. 
The next line, he said somewhat harshly, will be a railway line. We can get back to Mechelen from here. I find, though, we have to change twice. I dare say I should think this jolly romantic but for the weather. Adventure is the champagne of life, but I prefer my champagne and my adventures dry. Here's the station. We did not speak again until we had left the air in its sacred cloud of rain and were coming to Mechelen under a clearer sky. That even made one think of stars. Then I leant forward and said to my friend in a low voice, I have found out everything. We have come to the wrong star. He stared his query, and I went on eagerly. That is what makes life at once so splendid and so strange. We are in the wrong world. When I thought that was the right town, it bored me. When I knew it was wrong, I was happy. So the false optimism, the modern happiness, tires us because it tells us we fit in this world. The true happiness is that we don't fit. We come from somewhere else. We have lost our way. He silently nodded, staring out of the window. But whether I had impressed or only fatigued him, I could not tell. This, I added, is suggested in the last verse of the fine poem you have grossly neglected. Happy is he, and more than wise, who sees with wondering eyes and clean the world through all the gray disguise of sleep and custom in between. Yes, we may pass the heavenly screen, but shall we know when we are there who knows not what these dead stones mean, the lovely city of Lear? Here the train stopped abruptly, and from Mechelen Church steeple we heard the half-chime, and Joris broke the silence with, No bally hors d'oeuvres for me. I shall get on to something solid at once. Lion boy. Prince wide your empire spreads, I ween, yet happier is that moistened mare who drinks her cognac far from fine, the lovely city of Lear. End of chapter 38